Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are looking at... Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 and we'll be going through chapter 6 into verse 1. <clears throat> and as we start um I'll start a little bit in verse 6 uh as he re- as he refers uh he's referring to Jesus and uh that Jesus was both a, both a prophet <clears throat> and a, a high priest. A prophet was um, a representative chosen by God to come and speak to man, and that's what Jesus did. He was coming from God, and he would he would give man God's message. You know, he would say, "These words are not mine, but come from my Father." You know, Jesus was a perfect prophet, um, but he was also a priest. He's someone who's chosen from among men. Jesus was born uh, human in the flesh. But he's there to, uh, his, his job is to represent man towards God. And that's what Jesus is able to do. He's our high priest. He is able to sit at God's right hand. And he is there to represent us. And he can do that with gentleness and humbleness, humility, and knowledge of us because he was made in the human form with weakness of humans so he knows our um he knows all of our dilemmas all of our human frailties and weaknesses so uh he's a priest forever and they're referring to him as a priest and this reference to you are a priest forever after the order of melchizedek is a quote from psalm 110 uh verse 4 so they're talking about Jesus being this priest forever. And just a little bit before that, there was a quote from Psalm uh, 2, verse 7. It says, You are my son, today I have begotten you. In other words, when Jesus died, begotten is um, being born from the dead. He's talking about he is the firstborn of the dead. So because of Jesus being firstborn of the dead, he becomes this high priest forever because Jesus um, was not only acting as a high priest, uh, what priests were to do, would they would be to put down a sacrifice 
for who um, for the sins, not only for the sins of the people, but for their own sins. But with Jesus, he's a high priest, the greatest high priest. He had no sins for himself. But what he did was, is he because he was perfect. He, you know, he didn't have to give any uh, sacrifice for his own sins. So he basically uh, was perfect um, in God's eyes. And so he was able to do something that no other high priest could do or would do, is that he could use his own body, his own perfect um, life, to, to lay down as a sacrifice for all of us. And that was the, that's the ultimate thing that a high priest could do. So he laid down his own life for us. And because of that, he is the firstborn of the dead because God raised him from the dead. And now he becomes a high priest forever because this high priest now has been raised from human form to eternal form. He's a high priest forever. He has been uh, with God in uh, holiness. Then he makes, uh, he comes to earth in human form, in the lowest form, hum in humility, and then uh, is again perfect and then is made to be a sacrifice for us. The firstborn of the dead. So Jesus now is the, he's born of the dead. He is reborn of the dead. Now he is in righteousness. He is in eternal life. He, he is a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So again, Melchizedek is probably maybe one of the greatest or maybe the first high priest um, that the Bible records because he blesses Abraham. Abraham gives Melchizedek a tenth of what he has um, when he recovered his people from, the, from captors. But uh, we don't know a lot more about Melchizedek than that. But in any event, he, he says he is a high priest forever. And it's after this order. So in other words, this is, this is um, Jesus completes, in, the, in one sense, he completes all of the, the previous high priestly duties. And of course, he doesn't even refer to a lot of these priests in the nation of Israel in the exile generation because a lot of these high priests were corrupt. And so um, he refers all the way back to Melchizedek, who apparently was uh, a very righteous high priest. But Jesus is after all this. Jesus completes all this. Jesus makes all this even more perfect. And um, he is one high priest forevermore. We don't need any more high priests. After Jesus, there are no more high priests, you know, uh, Needed. There are no more high priests referenced in the Bible. Jesus is the completion. So this this uh, theme of Jesus being sacrificed, being perfect, being sacrificed, uh, and then begotten of the dead, the firstborn of the dead, I think is really important when we read this study today. So we'll take up in verse 7, but it's with um, this background that we look at these verses. 
In verse 7, which is our verse of the day, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. So this is talking about Jesus now in his earthly role. He's uh, being made humble. He is, um, you know, he can certainly identify and with 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 our dilemmas and our human condition and our weaknesses and our sins, and Jesus was in constant prayer and supplication. Supplication is one of those words that re- refers to um, submissive requests in prayers emotionally. He's not just praying, just sitting around. He's emotional with loud cries and tears and things like that. So he's bringing all his needs to the Father in heaven, all prayers, and uh, in emotional uh, uh, capacity. So, uh, so Jesus is doing that to him who was able to save him from death. Now, this is he's this is referencing God the Father. Okay, so Jesus understood that. Um, to be saved on the cross. Jesus knew he was going to die on the cross. And he was in constant prayer about this as well. And uh, he knew his faith was in God the Father that he would save him from death and raise him from the dead. And he was heard because of his reference. So Jesus' uh, perfect nature can be seen in the fact that he prayed so much and that he uh, prayed with every emotion that he had he was um he was praying with his whole heart okay jesus's heart was centered on god the father his heart was not hardened his heart was humbled and i've said this we've said this before that god can't use a, a hard-hearted person to go to the cross and God can't use a hard-hearted person right now to carry his gospel message around. You've got to have a humble heart to do what God needs you to do. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Okay, although he was a son of God, he had to be completely obedient to God even to the point of death. And, you know, to the point of death, that is the ultimate obedience. That is obedient. I need you to die for all these people. Yes, Father. That was his purpose. Um, And so you don't read verse 8 saying, oh, he wasn't obedient until he went to the cross. His purpose was to go to the cross. From the time he was born... His whole life was an act of obedience. But the, but the act of obedience for what he was made for was to die. So it's his death that shows his obedience because he was made to die and made to suffer. And so then in verse 9 it says, In being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation. Being made perfect. And McGee says, well, what does that mean? Being made perfect, does that mean he wasn't perfect? Until he died? No. 
it's Jesus, the, I think the way we're looking at it is that um, Jesus, once Jesus died, then you can say he lived a perfect life. And he is made perfect in his death because once he dies, um, as we go back to the Psalm verse 2, I mean, chapter 2, verse 7, today you are, my, you are my son, today I have begotten you. In other words, today I have raised you from the dead. You are the firstborn of the dead. And so being made perfect through his death be, means now being made eternal, being made a priest forever, and being made perfect um, in the sense that um the will of the father in heaven has now been perfected by the son because the father in heaven cannot save any of us until the son dies and is raised from the dead and until that happens we're still lost but when the son the sacrifice the perfect sacrifice dies and then is is um, wounded and bruised, this perfect sacrifice now dies. The only way it is completely perfected is if that that son is raised again from the dead. And that is the perfection of the gospel message. And just as we are imperfect in our nature, we are made perfect through being raised with him in his death, so that now we can attain that perfection through sharing of his death. And that's what the gospel message, that mystery of the gospel message that man just couldn't get his head around. You can't figure this stuff out unless you hear the word of God. Everybody around him who knew him didn't understand it. But it's through his death that we are made perfect. And he's made perfect in his death because he succumbs to death. But his perfect life was the perfect salvation that allows us to share in that death and share in his resurrection. He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Obey him, putting their faith in him, putting their trust in him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. In other words, this is another reference to Melchizedek. So we'll go on to verse 11. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you're dull of hearing. So this is this deep message of the gospel, okay? Now this gospel message is, you know, you hear it. Like Jesus died for your sins, okay? Put your faith in Jesus, okay? So let's talk about that's the basic gospel message. Verse 12 For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. In other words, you've heard this word of God, you've heard this gospel message, but he's taken like a time out to sort of like admonish them and to warn them 
This is another this is our third warning danger, being dull of hearing. You've become dull of hearing. So if we become dull of hearing the word of God or the gospel, something's not going to work right in us. He's warning them, don't be dull. Don't be drifters. Don't be doubters. And don't be dull of hearing. The basic principles are the oracles of God. You need to learn these again. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. So if we're not skilled in the word of God, we're like living on milk. The word of God is the solid food. But solid food is for the mature who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let us therefore leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying on the foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God. These are the basic things of the gospel messages, repentance and faith in God. But he's saying there's more to it than that. Okay? And if you just talk about repenting from your sins all day long and, and believing and repenting and believing and repenting and believing, you're like a baby just on milk learning basic stuff. But he's warning them, don't be dull to hearing the gospel message because the gospel message is going to mean more to that. Did Jesus die on the cross so you could say, Oh, forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. You know, he he died for that. But he's saying Jesus Christ's death on the cross is so powerful. Don't be dull. Don't be dull to hearing this message. Okay? Because Jesus' death on the cross means more to you than that. Okay? It's there to change you. Why? Because you've got to be made more perfect, perfect, just like Jesus was made more perfect. Okay? This whole thing, this whole gig here is to make you more perfect in righteousness. You know, hearing and seeing the Word of God. He says, don't be dull to hearing the Word of God. Don't be dull to seeing the Word of God. And he's telling us before, don't let your hearts be hardened when you hear the Word of God. Okay? Israel's hardened heart was terrible. And we get back um, with the warning danger of drifting away from what you hear. we got to pay close attention to it. It's your heart. Jesus is... Time on the cross, as we saw in Psalm 22, verse 22, it's Jesus' heart on the cross, His ultimate humility on the cross. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross makes Him more perfect. Through His death, He perfects the gospel message for us. That's what we're not to be dull from. Okay? The word of righteousness. We need to hear and see the word of God for righteousness sake because remember in chapter 4 11 to 12 it says the hearing and seeing the word of god the this it is living and active and discerning the heart 
It comes back to the heart. Don't harden your hearts when you hear the Word of God because the Word of God not only is living, it has got to be active in your life. This Word of God is living just like a person. This Word of God is active just like a person. Just like Jesus on the cross. Just like everything Jesus did is active. And this Word of God is like a person. It discerns your heart. This is the work of God. And it's talking about we've got to strive. We've got to strive to enter God's rest. Okay? So God's Word is working in us, living, acting, and discerning the heart, that's God's working in us so that we can strive to enter God's rest. As He works in us, we can rest in Him. As He works in us through the Word of God, as He works in us through Jesus Christ, our great high priest, the firstborn from the dead, as as God works in us through His Word, And through his works, his works, not our works, he perfects us just like as he perfected Christ so that then we can enter him. God works in us so we can rest in him. So today, as we look at all this, let us let the word of God be working in us today. Let us let the work of Christ time on the cross working us making us more perfected making us more righteous let God's work work in us so that we can rest in him so we'll stop here for meet all of you God bless you I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia Matali Matali I hope you're doing great and enjoying this awesome awesome Book of Hebrews. Hebrews is all about the heart. Wow. So, for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And I'll see you next week as we continue our study in this tremendous, tremendous book of Hebrews. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Hebrews chapter 5, beginning at verse 7 all the way to verse 14. So here, verse 7, I begin to read, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with with vehement cries and and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. So here, um, it's speaking of Christ. Now, it's talking about um, our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are told that the Lord Jesus wept. So here it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries. So, you know, it's recorded in the Bible that Jesus wept three times. That's the recording in the Bible. Maybe he wept more times than that. I think he wept more times than that. So um, the Lord Jesus Christ wept on three occasions, you know, as the record 
gives um, in the Bible. And these three occasions uh, include the first one at the grave of Lazarus. So he knew what he was going to do, but you know, his heart went out in sympathy to the grieved sisters of Lazarus. So, you know, God knows what we go through when we um, go through loss, you know, we lose a loved one because he actually felt it. He was compassionate. He was sympathetic towards, um, Lazarus's sisters. And the second time that it's recorded is, um, he wept over Jerusalem, you know, because of the faith of Jerusalem, like he wept over it because, um, you know, these people, um, the children of Israel, you know, they were, um, you know, they were not faithful to God and he wept, um, because of the pending doom that he actually foresaw that was actually coming. And um, verse, uh, the third time, sorry, that he wept is he wept um, in the garden of uh, Gethsemane. So why did he weep there? And this is where we're at right now. So, you know, the devil wanted to get rid of Christ in the garden of Gethsemane. And, um, you know, had he died in that garden, um, you know, uh, like, like that particular fulfillment wouldn't have been fulfilled because, you know, the, 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 the prophets had constantly, um, you know, said Christ, the Savior was going to come and he was going to die on the cross for our sins. So his, um, um, you know, his purpose was to come here and save us and die on that particular cross. So he did not want to die in the garden of um, Gethsemane. So he, he had said, let this cup pass. So the cup here was the cup of death. So, um, so he didn't want to die in that garden of Gethsemane because Satan actually attempted to slay him there in order to not, um, let that prophecy come to pass as, um, you know, as he was heard, um, and he feared he was heard and he didn't die in that particular garden. So he, he cried out because he feared he didn't want to die in that garden and he was actually heard and prophecy had made it clear that he was to die on the cross and that's in um, Psalms 22 where we have a picture of Christ on the cross um, and the cross was the altar on in which the son of God shed his blood so the life of the flesh is in the blood so the life of you and me is in that blood um, that Jesus actually shed because he died to save our sins so he um, gave it as you know an atonement for our sins and you know in the Old Testament sacrifice uh, just covered up the sin you know just covered up what you know uh, whatever sin someone had committed uh, but here he died he gave himself uh, as an atonement for all our sins so he didn't cover up our sins he actually um, gave us salvation so he didn't want to die in the garden of um, Gethsemane you know God had actually told Nicodemus as Moses lifted up, you know, just as Moses had lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. And the son of man was lifted up, you know, when he died, he was lifted up in glory. He was, um, he died on that um, cross for you and me. So there is a glory in the Lord Jesus Christ that wasn't there before uh, when he came down here on earth. And when he died, he had that glory and mercy and grace. And, you know, that was his prayer here. That was his cry. So he was, um, he was near death as um, he approaches that particular cross. And this is the thing he is praying to be delivered from. You know, like he, he's praying to, uh, to be delivered from death when he dies upon that cross. Um, so it was heard in that he feared. This is what 
we are told in scripture. So it was heard in that he feared. So he was heard when he actually made that prayer because he feared um, dying in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, when prophecy stated that um, he was going to die um, on the cross for you and me. So fear is not something that um, is always a wrong thing. I know, um, you know, scripture says, you know, we are not given that bondage of fear and all, but fears, there's nothing wrong with, um, with uh, it's always not wrong to fear. I mean, like if I am in a game park, and I see a lion and I'm just like, oh, hey, it's just a lion and all. Yeah, that would be very unwise of me. So fear is not something that's wrong all the time. It um, would be abnormal if we actually didn't have fear. So scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you fear the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. You know, don't be foolish and uh, depend on your own understanding. So scripture goes on to read. I'll read verse eight. Though he was a son Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Verse 9. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So here the Lord offers eternal salvation. You know, if it's not eternal, then it's not salvation at all. Uh, then I don't know what kind of God you're actually um, worshipping. So here um, the Lord offers eternal salvation. If you um, can lose salvation tomorrow then it's not eternal so um he offers eternal salvation on all those that obey him so if you want to obey god then um you have to trust um christ that's the only way you are going to actually obey god verse 10 goes on to read called by god as high priest according to the order of uh, melchizedek so here the word called in Greek means saluted and it refers back to Melchizedek so the high priesthood of Christ will be um, talked about here now so Melchizedek was given to us in the Old Testament and there's only two references of him that are given and they were given because they would be a type of priesthood in Christ just like Melchizedek so we have come to the third danger sign now here uh, and you know which is the peril of being dull of hearing so this is from verses 11 to verse 14. So verse 11 goes on to read, Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So here now, you know, why was it hard to actually explain is because they were dull of hearing and that was the Hebrews. So here we shouldn't lose the context of who this particular book was being written to because the Hebrews, they were moving between the intertestaments. They were moving from the age of the law to the age of grace. So Paul could say it, but um, they couldn't hear it. So Paul could explain it, but they couldn't hear it because they were dull of hearing, um, but they could actually see it. So you get to um, hear something, see something, but you actually don't hear it. So um, the writer here will deal with um, this forthrightly. So Paul is just like really candid. Okay, the writer, who we're assuming is Paul. So Christ is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, but it is difficult. it's a difficult subject that requires, you know, spiritual alertness. We need to be alert. So those that have a knowledge of God's word. Um, so we need to, um, you know, we, you can't remain in the same place forever. Even when you're learning something or, you know, when you're doing something, you can't always be a learner at something. Or like when you get a new job, you can't always like, oh, hey, I'm going to remain in this particular stage of just newness. No, you have to progress. That's how life is. And that's how, you know, um, Christianhood is. You know, if you're learning the word of God, you can't remain a babe forever. So the Hebrew believers then, he said, they were not spiritually alert or sharp. 
you know, they were just like, they, they, they wanted to remain in this comfortable position. And the writer says it's hard to actually uh, make them understand because they were not growing spiritually. They were still babies. And today, some of the saints, you know, some of us um, are not, um, or we don't want to actually grow up spiritually. We just still want to remain in that particular infant stage, which is not good. Um, you know, we ought to grow every day. Um, you know, once the spirit of God indwells in us, we ought to grow in, um, in, um, you know, in Christ. So verse 12 goes on to read for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again, the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. So here the Hebrew believers should have now matured, you know, considering where they were coming from. But, you know, they were still babies spiritually, which was sad. You know, they still wanted to just remain at the particular stage they were, which is a dangerous place to be because um, it's easy to actually drift away. It's easy to actually uh, abandon the word of God. And it's just, you just become dull of hearing. And the writer here is saying he has to go over the basic things again as they are dull of hearing. So the Hebrew believers ought to be teachers and they ought to be mature by now because they ought to now teach the word of God. Uh, and, you know, they ought to be mature saints, but instead they still are, you know, they're still not maturing. So the first principles of the oracles of God, that's, you know, the, they're still in the, at the foundation stage. So we should grow spiritually. We have a lot of uh, mature saints who will listen to baby talk from the pulpit. So, you know, you have a lot of like people who have been um, saved in Christ and have been studying the word of God for a long time, but they're dull of hearing. So you have, you know, ministers who actually murder the word of God, who commit murder, you know, as Dr. J.B. McGee put it, they do not give out, you know, you know, the, the, the solid food that mature Christians should need. They're still giving out basic baby information which is not supposed to be the case which is just a danger you know that tends to um make us drift away from um um you know god and this puts us in a dangerous position you know especially with um you know the evil that's lurking out there um so verse 13 goes on to read for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe so here, uh, those saints that don't know God's word, hence, um, you know, they will listen to their, you know, preacher preach scripture that is so basic as Christians, we cannot grow apart from God's word. We should know God's word and, um, how to actually handle it if we are not, um, you know, if, 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 and not just remain in that position of, of, um, babies. So you know, the advice that Dr. Davy McGee gave, which I concur with, is don't occupy an office if you're still a baby. You know, for preachers out there, you know, you, you learn um, a few things here and there and you don't know, you know, how to explain scripture, how to interpret scripture before you mislead people. You're still in the infant stage. Don't occupy an office because you're going to mislead people, which is, um, you know, and you're going to be accountable for those people who we are actually misleading. Give the word of God out there the way it's supposed to be given, you know, um, and Christians will only grow, um, you know, together with the word of God. The, a Christian cannot grow apart from the word of God. And, you know, you have a couple of uh, preachers out there, you know, they give things from their own understanding. Like I was reading yesterday an article on tithing and sowing a seed. You know, this preacher just gave this, you know, like article that's just off, 
like okay you can only tithe if you just feel like tithing like if you don't don't do it and um you know like when when i was reading this i'm not an expert in tithing and and i haven't yet come to that study on tithing and and giving um but i know for a fact that you know they were speaking from their own understanding and they were not even quoting any scripture or um you know they were not um highlighting scripture of um to make people actually understand so verse 14 goes on to read but solid foods belong to those who are of full age um that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil so here it's talking about maturity um if we grow with the word of god we don't remain as infants um we'll be able to actually discern good from evil we'll be able to actually grow spiritually and we'll be able to gain the benefits and the blessings that uh the lord jesus christ has for us so we should grow up in the word of god and mature and not stay ignorant of it and if you stay a babe you'll be ignorant of the word of god so let's quit staying where we are today let's grow and you know may god's word enter our hearts and grip our lives so um you know i, I like a phrase i don't know if i'm going to say it correctly that dr jimmy mcgee pointed out he said you know um babies cannot eat solid foods but adults can drink milk so let us not be mature saints who still are you know drinking milk uh because that way it's 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 hard to actually discern good from evil it's hard you were going to miss our blessings so yeah this is a very practical study today um and it was to the hebrews who didn't want to grow and mature um in the word of god and um this is also applicable to us today so yeah this is uh today's teaching thank you all for listening in god bless and have a pleasant friday bye bye